I'm Hillary Hendershot, your host, and this is Profit Boss Radio, episode 99, one week from 100. Profit Boss Radio is your weekly wealth mastermind. Profit Boss is also a community and a movement for women who are ready to take control of their money break the glass ceiling, and give ourselves permission to finally have enough. Want the secrets of wealth to be yours? This is the place. I'm Hillary Hendershot. I'm a certified financial planner running a leading advisory firm for women, and I'm sharing with you real stories from real life and real women who are making it happen. Forget Wall Street. Let's do this, ladies. talking today about the very lucrative skill set of selling, sell, sell skills. Uh, I want you to be an expert at sales if you want to be. If you are a business owner, you are in sales unless you were in sales in your business for long enough to grow the business so big that you could hire someone to run sales. So you were making deals, you were promoting the product or the service, you were shaking hands, getting business cards, making proposals and asking for the order. And not only that, but if you are in corporate sales, if you work in sales for someone else, that's a good way to be able to make a lot of money. So I'm very interested in you being able to have and make a lot of money. That's from the Earn and Ask Principles, uh, Steps to Wealth from Episode 77. If you haven't listened to Episode 77, I recommend that you go back and check it out. But we need to earn money and ask for things and ask for more. And, um, you know, in my own life, I will say I resisted sales for a long time. I was petrified of it. I was petrified of being thought poorly of. I was scared that people would say no. I was sure that they would say no. I remember my first, the first time I went to ask a real estate agent when I was in mortgage lending. And the funny thing is that I took on the career of mortgage lending because it was commission only, because I said, oh, I want to teach myself this lifelong skill of sales. And then when it came time to make the ask, I, I remember looking at my sales manager and literally asking him, why would this person give me a deal? Why would this person do business with me? All I could think of was reasons they wouldn't, was reasons they would say no. And it was tough. <laughs> it was, I am not, I've talked about this on the show before, but I'm not someone who that fake it till you make it kind of thing. That's not something I have ever been able to pull off and um, confidence without justification. So I have to see that I can do something before I can be confident that I can do it. And I inched my way up the sales mountain (laughs) and being in a commission only job right out of the gates was um, a pretty big mistake. I mean, I don't like to have regrets in life and I look back and given where I'm at now, there's nothing I would change. So, but Wow. It was rough. Okay. (laughs) And now I'm just totally comfortable. I don't relate to myself like a salesperson. I sell a consultative service. And if we have good rapport and you like me and I like you, I know I have the technical skill set to keep you financially bulletproof if we partner together. And so to me, it just makes sense. Uh, If you're looking for someone to help you guide you to your financial destination where you want to go, I could be the right person. And so let's figure out, let's have a conversation to see if 
if that will work for us. And if it does, let's say yes. I say yes. Do you want to say yes? <laughs> and um, I don't have any resistance to it anymore. I, it's actually really fun. I really enjoy it because initial conversations with my clients and prospective clients are deeply personal. And I find them very, very, very invigorating, enlivening. I often come home after a quote unquote sales conversation with a, a new client and my husband says, wow, you, you seem really happy. Like, yeah, I love my job. I love my job. I love what I do. So I met this woman that I'm interviewing today, Judy Hoberman at the Financial Bloggers Conference. And we both admitted to each other that we felt a teeny bit like fish out of water at this conference. The Financial Bloggers Conference is full of uh, people pretty early on in their careers. So it's a little bit of like, I'm the grandma at the party. And Judy is, is also longer in the tooth in her own career. I'll tell you a little bit about her and then I'll, I'll get right to the interview where she shares with us, you know, her secrets to selling. This is Judy Hoberman. She's president of Selling in a Skirt International. She is a speaker, trainer, coach, and mentor. She has 30 years of sales experience. And she's a well-known and in-demand public speaker. She gave a TEDx talk on prejudging people. She's the author of several books, Selling in a Skirt, Famous Isn't Enough, Pure Wealth, and her latest book, Walking on the Glass Floor. Judy's mission is to help her clients live the skirt philosophy. Okay, so skirt's an acronym. Here we go. Ready? Standing out. Keys to success inspiring others, results-oriented, and time management while having fun. So I like the phrase selling in a skirt, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with me and Judy Hoberman. Oh, and I want to let you know, I have something really, 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 really special planned for next week. It's my 100th episode. And while 100 for the sake of 100 is not much to celebrate, I uh, finally making a very exciting announcement on this episode. You'll meet my new associate advisor, Jen Rupp. Uh, I'll be talking with her during that episode, and we have some great stuff for you. We've spent several weeks working on this episode, so I'm excited. Tune in on the 13th of March, and I will see you then. All right. Judy, welcome to Profit Boss Radio. Thank you so much. I am super excited to be here. I'm excited to have a conversation about selling and how women can do it more and more effectively and why they should and why they should take themselves seriously as salespeople. How did you start doing what you do? <laughs> so the very beginning or this part of the beginning is the very, <laughs> the very beginning. I, I was a Girl Scout cookie girl. And I literally was the number one cookie girl. And it was before you were allowed to bring it to your parents' business. Really? So I actually, yeah, I actually did it door to door. And I remembered what they bought the year before. And so when I went back and said, you know, do you want more Thin Mints? But we also have this new one. And so I would sell the Thin Mints and I would sell whatever the new one was. So seriously, that's that's how I started selling and and building the relationship with people because I knew I was coming back next year. Who doesn't buy Girl Scout cookies? <laughs> so what do you think contributed to that? Because I was a Girl Scout too, and I was terrified to sell anything. And I've dealt with my money operating system, my money script since then. So I think if I could go back and do it again, I'd be a better little cookie salesperson. But how did you get that? 
I'm probably going to say because I like to win and I am somewhat competitive, but I wasn't competitive obnoxious. I was competitive because I knew what the the troop needed and we all needed to do this together and and I wasn't afraid to talk to people. And you know, we also it was a different time as well. It was a it, you know, walking door to door and and meeting people was no big deal. Now it's a little bit different. I just love to talk to people and I love to see how I can help them. It that hasn't changed. So first it was a Girl Scout cookie sales and have all your roles been in sales since then? Yes, but I will tell you where I got my best lesson from. My next featured um, appearance was as a fuller brush person. Do you know what fuller brush is? No clue. You go door to door and you sell brushes and brooms and mops and fuller brush. And I don't even know why I did it. But the first door I knocked on was my mom's. And guess what? She said no. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I say this because it was the best lesson I have ever gotten. When she said no, I'm like, no, seriously, do you want this? She said no. And she said, I need to tell you that just because someone loves you doesn't mean they're going to buy from you. Okay, that was a really lessons. Right. Here's the second half of it, though. She said, because somebody loves you, they're going to share you with their friends. And so that's what she did. So it was a really good lesson. So when somebody didn't buy from me, I just thought, well, you know, they don't need it, but I know they have friends. And so I always asked for referrals because I knew that their friends would like me too. Love it. So what's your formal education in? Was it around sales? Did you you do anything with what you did in school? No. Does anybody? <laughs> Some people. <laughs> okay. So I have, a, I have a degree in education. So I was a teacher and sociology. So yeah, I guess uh, no. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting you to say teacher. And then, so how did that develop? You're obviously not, you're not a, you're not a public school teacher now. No, I actually wanted to go to medical school, but my father convinced me that girls didn't do that. So my mother said, but girls are teachers and they're nurses and they're secretaries. So I thought, okay, well, I'm not going to be a nurse. If I can't be a doctor, I'm not being a nurse. And I didn't want to be a secretary because there was no way I was going to do shorthand, not a chance. And so I thought, okay, I'll be a teacher. And so we all at that moment became teachers. Everybody that went to, you know, liberal arts college went to, we became teachers, but that was back in the seventies. And so after we all became teachers for less than a year, we were all laid off because they had so many teachers. And so, you know, my career changed after that, but I love the fact that I was teaching. I still do teach people, you know, I do support them and I teach them, but no, I'm no longer a teacher. So you were laid off after just a year. And, and uh, how did your career in sales develop? I was in um, commercial roofing. I was the only female. I was hired because I was female. Judy, I, were any of your jobs sexy? <laughs> don't you think that's sexy? <laughs> hey. I keep expecting you to describe this job where you're in first class, you're traveling to all the major <laughs> metropolitan cities. No, you're in roofing. I'm in roofing. But here's, so here's the sexy part of that. Um, the person that hired me gave me my, he told me what I needed to do and how I needed to do it and everything. And he said, and you have to dress for the part. And so, um, you have to wear a dress or a skirt because it was the seventies and I got that part. But he also told me that I would be climbing on a ladder all the time. And just, just to make sure that I was safe, there would always be someone underneath me in case I fell. Okay. How sexy is that? Sexy for the guy underneath you, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So, but, but I, you know, I did a lot of different things. I ended up in insurance and insurance, again, maybe not be sexy, but it was one of the greatest things I've ever done. 
And, you know, I know when people say, well, you were in insurance. I'm like, yeah, I know. But I was a single mom at the time. And my one and only job was to protect my family. That was my job. And so when I started in insurance, I brought that to the table with me because I knew that if I had to protect my family, why couldn't I protect yours? And so, you know, I mean, you know all about the insurance world. How many times does somebody want to quit? Like every day, 100 times a day? And I kept thinking to myself, okay, but if I left, how would somebody find your family? Oh, no, I can't leave today because I can't leave you unprotected. And that, that's really how I got through the first month or so because I wasn't sure what the heck I was doing. Mm-hmm. But I kept doing it. And then I realized I am really important in these people's lives because if I don't protect them, who's going to? So, so, so they're selling property and casualty, life insurance, no, like that? I, I was selling uh, life and health. So, and that's really what I, what I did. My sexy job came when I was taken out of the field. I was a managing partner for three different agencies. And when they brought me to Dallas to build all of their training, I did have that cushy job. I did make a lot of money. I was on salary. I was no longer on straight commission. And it was that sexy job. However, that sexy job was not for me because the culture of a business is something that you have to it almost has to be like your second home. You know, you have to you have to feel welcome and you have to feel, you know, wanted. I was great when I was on the road and I was doing all the training and everything else for the field, but once I came inside, they resented the fact that I had all this experience and they didn't. And so after 2 years, I thought, well, this is so silly cuz I just don't want to do this. And so I jumped and I left. So there was my sexy job. <laughs> I'm glad we got to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now you're a, a sales training coach and you're a keynote speaker. What are the things you want women to know about selling? It is one of the greatest careers that someone can have, whether you are in your own business, whether you are in, a, you know, you work for a company. Sales is one of the places that it's an even playing field. Because they really do look at your numbers or the lives that you're insuring or the houses that you sell. It doesn't matter. They look at numbers. It's an even playing field. You don't have to constantly compete with somebody, you know, a a man in the same profession and he's doing he's making more money than you because it generally doesn't happen when you're in sales. It generally happens in other positions. And, you know, we all have those crazy stories. But sales is something that really gives you the opportunity to build relationships in any business whatsoever, no matter who it is, no matter where it is. It's built on relationships. And so that's something that women really need to understand. Women make the best relationship. They build the best relationships. So why aren't there more women in insurance? Why aren't there more women in financial services? Why aren't there more women in tech and, you know, in STEM? Why? Because they stop at a certain point. Either they're not invited to the next level or they're invited because they're female or they're just not ready. And so you just have to decide what it is that you love. But I am telling you that sales is one of the best careers ever for women. It just is. It just is. I don't know where I came up with this, but I often say to people, there are careers where you're more than likely to make a lot of money, uh, engineering, doctoring, I mean, nursing now, really. But but if you want to make as much money as the CEO, go into sales. That's right. Uh, That's right. Because the sky's the limit. I mean, maybe the sky isn't the limit at any particular company, but if you become an expert salesperson, you can write your own ticket. Without question. And then the other part of that is when you're in sales, you can basically create the schedule that you need. 
you know, most salespeople don't work from nine to five. Most salespeople have different kind of hours or they make their own hours. Or even when you work in corporate America, when you're in sales, it's not, you don't punch the time clock. And so uh, there's so many people that struggle with time management, male, male and female. And this to me was one of the closest positions that you can have and still have some kind of balance. There's no such thing as work-life balance. I mean, just let's get real about that. There isn't. You can't say I'm going to work 50% here and 50% there. But if there was work-life balance, this would be the closest thing to it. Most people, a lot of women will relate to sales or this idea that we're sort of pitching that sales can be very lucrative for them. Like it's very intimidating that there's a sort of a wall of belief that salespeople are I mean, the used car salesman sort of slimy Mm -hmm. reputation, right? And they don't want to be that. What would you say to those women? You don't have to be that. (laughs) I mean, seriously, that 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 is my shortest answer. You don't have to be that. Here's why you don't have to be that. Because that person... They don't really exist anymore. That's when sales were, you know, like if you ever watched, um, what is it, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? Yes. I mean, that's slimy salespeople. That's not what sales c- should be. If you're in a position and it's slimy, you shouldn't be there because that's not where you belong. But people always say to me, what is the biggest secret about sales? The biggest secret is you have to stop selling. You're put in a position because you have the the knowledge and the experience and you can learn different features in the sales career, but it doesn't have to be slimy. If you do something that's not right, it's going to come back. It's going to come back and bite you. So I always tell people, you have to travel the high road. Sales is no different. You, If you can't leave somebody better off, you leave them alone. And I have talked myself out of sales so many times because I didn't believe what I had was better for people. And they would look at me and say, um, aren't you on commission? Like, yeah. But this is not good for you. I know, but you're, you know, you're on commission. Aren't you supposed to be selling us this? And I said, yeah, but this is not right for you. You know, I, I can do something. This, is, this doesn't work. So I always say you have to be very honest and authentic and show people that you really care about them. The point is you have to be interested in their well-being. When you take that away off the table, then you become that slimy salesperson. And we all know some of the people that still do that. But to me, it's more about relationships, build a relationship, then people come back and they bring their friends. And then it's, you know, over and over, it's the same thing, you keep doing it. So you say stop selling and just have conversations. Yep. Because one of the things you want to do, and I always tell people you want to be interested in someone not interesting to someone. So the very first thing I've ever done when is when I sit down with someone and I still do it, I always say, can I take notes? Are you okay if I take notes? Because I want to make sure that I am getting what they're saying to me in their words. And so I constantly take notes. It also forces you to listen, just so you know. But I ask them questions. I would never say to somebody, so do you want life insurance? And how much do you, <laughs> I, I would never say that. What I would ask them is tell me why it's important for you to have this policy in place. It's an open-ended question. They start to talk, they give you information, and they also give you their why. Once you have their why, there's nothing else that you need because they just told you, this is why I need this. Right. And so, you know, so, so to me, if you have a conversation, if you ask questions, if, you, if you're interested, they're basically going to do your job for you. They're giving you all your information. You just have to listen. You have to listen and you have to give it back. 
And that really is my experience, you know, from my perspective. I, I sit in the office with people. It's a three-hour conversation over two meetings for them to consider hiring me to manage their family wealth. It's a big decision. So we take our time. We let there be time in between the meetings, right? They get to ask, answer, get all their questions answered. And the most selling I do is because of the way that conversation is designed and scripted from my part, really, I know the key milestones in that conversation. And at the end, I say, great, I'd like to get started. Would you? And they, I mean, if I've done my job, they say yes. <laughs> and it, it's amazing because it's a big chasm we're crossing, right? They're making a big decision. But really, I've asked a 100 questions about them at that point. Right. And so they appreciate the fact that you're asking the questions and you're listening. There's so many times that people just walk in and they immediately tell people what they have. And are you ready to do this today? Yes. And that is not how you do it, especially when you're talking about something that's either expensive to buy or you're talking about something that has to do with money, like with what you're doing. You just can't assume that somebody's going to hand you over their portfolio, even if they're a referral. Exactly. You have to to build that trust. Uh, Oh, my goodness. When people, it's almost like, you know, you connect with someone on LinkedIn and the next thing you know, they give you this five paragraph message. Oh, and by the way, I'm doing this and this and this. So let's connect. Let's do this. And let me let me become your new salesperson. Like, what are you talking about? We haven't even had a coffee yet. (laughs) Um, I don't know you. (laughs) Really? I always say to them, do you get married like on the first date? Because that does not work for me. Okay, but what about people who, let's take, for example, Rodan and Fields. Do you know what this is? Yeah. So I have run into multiple women who say they're making two, $300,000 a year selling skincare products. Mm -hmm. So this is not something, maybe skincare is emotional for women, but I was going to contrast it with life insurance, right? Life insurance is for your kids. That's a heart thing. Okay. Um, what about people who are selling something that's less of a personal interest, maybe a widget, something dry? Okay. But it's going to be the same thing. You still have to have a connection with them. Okay. Whether it's emotional or it's not emotional, you know, let's, let's take a car for instance. So a car may not be emotional. It's something that's going to take you from place to place. It could be, you know, really a sexy looking car. It could have all the bells and whistles, but still it's a car. It's not life insurance. You still have to go through the same process. You still have to get the person to connect with you. To me, it wouldn't matter what I sold. I used to do sales training many years ago for Dale Carnegie. And when you walked in, they handed you business cards of the people that were there. And they said, you have to sell this. You didn't have any preparation whatsoever. I had tree service one time. I mean, tree service, really? How sexy is that? And so I would just, I started asking questions. And by the time I was done, the person that was tree service said, hey, can I hire you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the thing, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, but that's all I'm saying. It's It's the same thing. It's not like you have to be scripty scripty, but you have to know what it is you need to know. And it's all about them. You have to take the spotlight off you because it has nothing to do with you. They don't like you yet. They don't care about you yet until you build a relationship. Right. I think the thing that intimidates people most is dealing with rejection. People feel personally rejected. How do you coach people to handle that? So I always tell them that it's not them that's being rejected. That person doesn't need what you have. 
And you have to start believing that because it's not you. Now, if they don't like you, that's a whole other episode that you can, you know, figure this out. Like, what are you doing? It's not right. right. But truly, they're not rejecting you. They are saying to you, I do not need this. But I have to tell you that a lot of times, no matter what you do, you can stand on your head. A person is not going to do business with you right away. They're just not. And whether it's two times you have to see them or three times. I mean, when I was when I was first started in insurance, they told me, get in, get out and get the check. Like, never go back. Because if you don't get the check on the first time, someone's right behind you and they're going to close it and blah, blah, blah. I didn't believe it anyway. And it never happened. But the point is, I would tell people there's one of two things I would do. If I was sitting with you and no matter what it is, you said, you know, I really do need to think about it. I really do. And I would tell you, this is a very big decision. So here's what I'd like to do. Let's say today is, you know, Tuesday at three o'clock. I said, so Hillary, it's Tuesday at three o'clock. Why don't we schedule a meeting for next Tuesday at three o'clock? And in between then, if you have any questions, make sure to reach out to me. You're going to say one of three things. Tuesday at three is no good, but Wednesday at two is good, or that's perfect, or I need to think about it. Okay, so you have to decide what you're doing next. I would always say to the, I don't, I still need to think about it. I I would always say to them, okay, are you okay if I call you in a month or two? So I just eliminate that piece of it. Okay. The other thing I did many times is I would say, okay, I know that you are not prepared to do this. And whether it's me or the product, it doesn't really matter. But all I'm going to ask you is if you don't buy from me, can you please find someone else that can cover you? Because I don't want to feel like you are not protected for life insurance for your family. And I would definitely do that. And then they would look at you. And again, it's one of two things. They go, oh, no, 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 I'm just not ready. Or they'd say, okay, thanks. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole other ball of wax because I agree with you. People need life insurance. If you have kids, you need life insurance. And everyone who's listening maybe isn't selling something that has that feature. But let's talk a little bit about about business owners. So often I meet business owners who uh, whose businesses, in my opinion, are languishing. So they're maybe pulling in, you know, somewhere between twenty and fifty thousand dollars a year that they're able or willing to pay themselves. They've been doing it for five or seven years. It eats up all their time. It's you know they have no balance, but they also have no profitability. And and I find that inevitably, these women are engaged in being their chief operations officer when they should be doing is being their vice president of sales. How do you coach women to make that shift? Or how can you, what would you say about the mindset or time management that can help them understand where they need to orient themselves? Um, The first thing I would tell them to do is get a coach. Yeah. Either you hire a coach or you find a mentor or you go to score, whatever you need to do, find somebody that is not your spouse or significant other, find somebody that could be totally objective because that person is going to have to let you know how important sales really are. And you can be the COO of your company and whatever else you want to be. But if there's nothing coming in, then how is your business supposed to run? So are you do you have a business or do you have a hobby? And that's that's the next piece of it. My very first business coach, when I started my company, she said to me her entire business changed when she put on her CEO cap. Because as the CEO, your responsibility is to generate revenue. You're not supposed to be doing all the operational stuff. And once she did that, her business exploded. So you have to assume the role of the CEO. What would the CEO of your company be doing? They have to do sales. They have to do marketing. Two of the things that people forget to do, whether they work for a company, whether they're a business owner, they forget that you have to create sales and marketing. 
that's a huge, huge thing. And when people forget about that, you can see the downturn. When you remember that, all of a sudden you start to see, wow, look at the difference between last year and this year. Well, I wonder what I did. Oh, I did some sales, you know? Yeah. Uh, I had a coach once tell me to, she said, Hillary, if you're not happy with your results, take on selling three hours a day. So put mm-hmm. it in your calendar, don't schedule over it and actually do the activities. And boy, it transformed my business. Yeah. I mean, and yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't at this time sell three hours a day. I spend a lot of time making podcast episodes actually, but that's a form of selling right now. I've turned that into a lead and funnel into my business. But I think most people spend most of their day emailing, right? And fixing the printer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is, that's great. But you, you know, you also think about it. If you were in, um, in corporate America, and I mean, I did work in corporate for two years. That's, but that's my entire experience of being a corporate employee. I've always been straight commission. So it's a very big difference when somebody hands you money every other week and said, here you go, you know, like here, you know, you have money. I used to watch people that would come in in the morning and they would have coffee and then they'd sit at their desk and they'd be playing solitaire for a while. And then they do a couple of things at their desk and then it was lunch and they were, you know, rinse and repeat and they would do this all the time. And, and I would say to them, like, aren't you supposed to be generating business? And they, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it only takes like an hour a week to do that. Well, I don't know whose business is an hour a week. It's not, it's not getting ready to get ready. You have to sit down and you have to say, okay, I'm going to make calls for the next two hours or have a goal. I'm going to call until I reach five people or I'm going to make 10 phone, whatever it is, have a goal in mind and reach the goal. And then when you reach the goal, you celebrate and you do it again. I don't know how many people work in your business. Are you a one woman shop with vendors who support you? Yeah, you- I, I am a one woman shop and I do have, you know, a team of people that I can reach out to, to do almost anything. Mm-hmm. And so do you find that your motivation ever wanes? Oh, are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) No, you seem really motivated. I wouldn't have been surprised if you said no. (laughs) No, I am very motivated and I always have a lot of things that I am working on. But there are days that I just say, okay, I either I don't like anybody or I don't like what I'm, I don't want to do this, you know, and I just... I take what I call a mental health day and I put on my autoresponders on my phone, on my on my emails, then nobody expects me to call them right back, which is something I ordinarily do. I usually call it like a presentation day, meaning I'm working on a presentation or a proposal or whatever, and I just remove myself. And then a few hours later or the next day, I am fine again. But sometimes you need to just take a step back and say, okay, I need a breathing. I need some breathing room. And there's nothing wrong with that. There isn't anything wrong with it. It's when you are burned out that you can't do it. So before you get burned out, just step back and say, okay, I need a couple hours. Are there specific uh, tactics or do you teach these closing methods? You know, I've heard of all these different kinds of closes. Is this something you use? I don't want to say I use closing methods. I do a lot of conversations. And so when I do training, um, we'll do role playing. I will give them certain scenarios and have them try to figure it out themselves. And then we all come together and we start talking about what works, what doesn't. But what I like more than anything is I like to teach people how to build a relationship. And it's all about questions and it's all about listening. And when you come up with some questions, like there was a young guy who's in a sales a sales uh, program and it's at his college. And he asked if he would, if I could meet with him and we sat down and he said, so I'm supposed to interrogate you. That's exactly what he said. I said, interrogate me. He said, yeah, I I, I know. He said, I have to ask you 15 questions. And I said, in a row. 
I mean, I didn't know what to say to him. He said, well, yeah, you know, I'm going to ask you a question. Give me an answer. I'll ask you. A qu-. I said, how is that going to happen? You know, that doesn't work. He said, I'm real uncomfortable doing it like that. You know, I reversed it. And I said, how about if we do it this way? And he said, oh, my God, that's so different. It's not interrogation. I said, no, it's a conversation. So, yeah. I'm thinking about a, a woman who might not think she uses sales in her life. And I want to speak to that because I think we all have the opportunity to improve our lives. And often that requires the buy-in of other people. And ultimately, getting to yes is what a sales conversation is about. And so we use these skills kind of in all aspects of our life, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm wondering how... I sort of want to convince women who don't relate to the sales conversation that they could or should and that it would improve their quality of life. Do you agree? Absolutely. 100%. And every single person is a salesperson, every single person. And so when I go and I speak and that's the first question I ask, how many salespeople are sitting in this room? And, you know, 40% raise their hand, 50%. I'm like, "Uh -uh." every single one of you should be raising your hand because we are all salespeople whether you sell yourself, whether you're selling a product, whether you sell a service. And then I always say to them, how many of you have children? How many of you have babies? And I said, that baby is a salesperson. They laugh. And I go, no, no, seriously, that baby is saying to you, if you feed me and you change me, I'll stop crying. Yes. So that's a salesperson. So, you know, but, but every single person is a salesperson. Think about selling yourself. How are you dressed? How do you show up? How do you listen? How do you ask questions? How are you part of the conversation? You are a salesperson. You know, people that, that work for big companies, they think they're not in sales. Do you think the CEO is not a salesperson? Of course they are. They have to convince their executive team what he or she wants done. And what about all the managers and the leaders? They have to convince their team to do their projects. Everybody's a salesperson. There's nobody that's not. So if anybody assumes that they're not in sales because they don't have it in their title, they have to revisit this because it is one of the best professions you can be in. It just, it is. And you get to be authentic. You get to be you. You get, people get to see you and what makes you unique and why they should do business with you and how you stand out. And that's always the fun of it when people get to know you. And I think if you traditionally have not taken on selling as part of your job roles, no matter who you work for or what you do, that if you take that on and start to get noticed for that, I think that's a great way to maybe funnel yourself along a different career track, but also increase your income. You're going to get raises or maybe get yourself into a position where you can get a uh, commission or fees as part of your compensation. And that really is how people get fantastically huge paychecks, if that's what you're interested in doing. Right. And, you know, and, and it's open for whatever you want it to be. You don't have to be a top sales producer. You don't. Nobody's telling you you have to do that. But if you have the option and you get recognized for doing it. Most women would prefer to be recognized than say, I want to do it for the money. But when you're recognized, it means you're doing something amazing. And guess what shows up? The money shows up. So it is a, it's a wonderful opportunity. And I do believe that women can be some of the greatest salespeople. And you don't have to be one of the boys. You're yourself. The greatest compliment any salesperson could ever receive is, oh my goodness, she really listened to me. That's what it's all about. Judy, this has been enlightening. Where are the places people can connect with you? My website is www.sellinginaskirt.com. I'm on all social media. It's either going to be Selling in a Skirt or Judy Hoberman. So you just, I mean, I'm everywhere. And I do post 
I'm very consistent because if you only post once in a blue moon, your people probably won't see you. <laughs> Perfect. We'll link to sellinginaskirt.com as well as Selling in a Skirt, uh, your radio show in the show notes for this episode. Thank you so much for your time. It's fantastic to be connected. Oh, I, I'm thrilled and I look forward to our next adventure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Profit Boss Radio. If you liked it, share it with an artist or creative that you love. And whether you're a painter or a mathematician, may you have all the freedom and prosperity you want. Music.